It's Friday, the 6th of August, 2021. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Sean Aylmer. Victoria heads into lockdown as New South Wales records its highest tally of COVID-19 cases during the current wave. That's our main story. Also coming up in today's podcast, the local share market hits another record. Business grapples with ways to handle the coronavirus and protect their workers. And the big financial services companies pay back $1.6 billion for services they never supplied. Then stay listening for my chat to Tim Lawless from CoreLogic about the incredible housing market in Australia. But first, here's a brief look at markets. Wall Street was strong overnight and ahead of the close, the S&P 500 was up 0.4% and both the Dow Jones Industrial Average and tech-heavy Nasdaq were half a percent higher. Around 340 of the top 500 companies have reported earnings for the June quarter, and an impressive 88% have beat profit forecasts, according to Trading Economics. European markets were mixed, London's FTSE was down slightly, while the stock's Europe 600 finished up 0.4%. The S&P ASX 200 hit another new record yesterday, with the bourse rising 0.1% to close at 7,511 points. Real estate stocks led the market, rising 1%. Goodman Group, Unibail Redemco Westfield and Abacus Property Group all performed strongly. On the other side of the coin, the materials companies index fell 1.3%, while energy companies also had a bad day. Commonwealth Bank certainly had a good day, up 1.2%. There are high expectations of a big dividend payout when it reports next week. Aristocrat Leisure, the gaming machine manufacturer, was up more than 2%, as was online accounting group Zero. Building Group James Hardy continued its recent run, rising 2.5%. Among the top stocks, all the iron ore miners ended lower, while Woodside Petroleum was down 1.5%, and Buy Now Pay Later Group, Afterpay, finished 1.1% lower. Oil prices rebounded overnight, coming off their two-week lows. Traders are balancing rising inventories in the US and concerns about falling demand against renewed tensions in the Middle East over stalled talks between Iran and the US over a nuclear deal. The price of gold was lower overnight and it's trading around 1800 US dollars an ounce and the Aussie dollar is at about 74 US cents. Victoria last night went into a snap lockdown as New South Wales recorded its highest number of COVID-19 cases during the current wave. It's the sixth lockdown in the southern state and came after eight new community cases were recorded yesterday and traces of the virus were found in sewerage outlets in other parts of the state. Premier Daniel Andrews said a seven-day lockdown was better than waiting and having to institute a seven-week lockdown. Support for businesses in the state will be outlined today, but it's a dreadful kick for the citizens of Victoria that have so far borne the brunt of the COVID crisis. Local government areas across the Newcastle and Hunter region in New South Wales, that's north of Sydney, last night went into lockdown as well due to a local outbreak. It's thought that a party on a beach in the region last Friday night, which was attended by people from Western Sydney, caused six cases. New South Wales yesterday announced 262 New local cases, yet another record, and tragically five deaths. Four of the five people who died had not been vaccinated, while the other had had one jab. The state has now recorded more than 4,000 cases of COVID in the latest wave. Meanwhile, a 34-year-old woman in New South Wales has died from a rare blood clotting condition associated with the AstraZeneca jab. There have now been six deaths linked to blood clots triggered by the vaccine from nearly 7 million doses administered. 
and Queensland recorded 16 new local cases of COVID-19 yesterday, all linked to the Indrapilly cluster. Four of the cases were in the community while infectious. There are now 76 cases from that cluster. What's happened in New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland this week demonstrates how much of the rest of the year will play out. This morning, around 15 million Australians are in lockdown. Until vaccination rates are at 70% or so, whole cities and states will be in and out of lockdown. Get used to them. As a result of the Delta virus being so infectious, governments of all stripes are moving away from zero tolerance towards living with the disease. But that can only be done safely once people get vaccinated. And 70% is the mark premiers are using to talk about freedoms being re-established. In a moment, the rest of the news you need to know this morning. In overseas news, Apple will install software on American iPhones that scans for child abuse imagery, triggering concerns that it could open the door to surveillance of people's personal devices. According to a report in the Financial Times, the automated system will alert a team of human reviewers if it believes illegal imagery is detected. Toyota, which not that long ago was the world's largest vehicle company, made $12.3 billion during the June quarter thanks to big sales in North America. Its main rivals in the region, General Motors and Ford, both had disappointing results during the quarter, in part due to disrupted production reflecting component shortages. Toyota, on the other hand, had stored away parts for a rainy day. The Biden administration is preparing plans to require all foreign visitors to the United States to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 as part of an eventual lifting of travel restrictions. At the moment, very few flights are allowed into the US, although yesterday the government said fully vaccinated travellers returning from England or France won't have to quarantine. New cases of COVID have surged in the US and are at six-month highs. And staying in the US, Washington will give temporary safe haven to Hong Kong residents already in the country, citing ongoing repression by China. That decision will not impress Beijing. Locally, Australian businesses are grappling with ways to counter the COVID threat, particularly among their workforces. Both Commonwealth Bank and Westpac said they'll run trials of vaccinating people in the workplace. Qantas has hinted at no jab, no work policies, while Fortescue Metals yesterday suspended certain operations for COVID testing. SPC, maker of Ardmona canned tomatoes and Goulburn Valley packaged fruit, became the first company outside healthcare to mandate vaccines for its 700 staff. The Australian Manufacturing Workers Union criticised SPC for not consulting with the union, and it's quite possible the company will face legal action, which the rest of the business world will watch very, very closely. Fortnightly payroll figures from the Bureau of Statistics showed that to the middle of last month, payroll jobs fell 2.4% nationally, mostly reflecting lockdowns in Sydney and Victoria. Roles in the hospitality, tourism and arts sectors tumbled. The figures suggest about 50,000 extra people in the accommodation and food services sectors in New South Wales are out of work because of the lockdown. Meanwhile, figures from the Australian Banking Association shows that lenders have granted 15,000 deferrals to businesses and households in the past month. The big four banks, AMP and Macquarie, have so far refunded $1.6 billion dollars to financial advice customers charged for services they didn't receive. Fee-for-no-service was front and centre in the Hain Royal Commission, which reported earlier last year, and eventually led to the resignation of several chairs and CEOs of the big financial service companies. 
The corporate regulator said Westpac has refunded most, that's $578 million, while NAB has refunded $566 million. Share market analysts are redoing their numbers on Crown Resorts. The group is now waiting for the final report of the Victorian Royal Commission into the company, and that's due out in October. The board seems resigned to being sanctioned, but are fighting desperately for that sanction to not be losing its licence. Credit Suisse analysts yesterday said it thought the group was overvalued by around 15%. It closed yesterday down 2.4% and is off 33% since the middle of May. At the same time, the ASX 200 is up 7%. Crown Resorts is no longer a good bet. Meanwhile, the West Australian Royal Commission into Crown continues. Yesterday, Crown Perth's manager of legal and compliance, who bought a boat from the state's chief casino officer and went fishing with him three times a week, agreed that their relationship was a risk, but said they didn't talk about work because it would blur the lines. A long overdue report by the world's climate scientists will on Monday reveal that global warming is accelerating faster than thought, with temperatures set to punch through the critical one and a half degree threshold by the early 2030s, a decade earlier than anticipated. According to the Financial Review, the faster trajectory in average temperature gains means the timeline for governments and businesses to plan for an uncontrolled surge in catastrophic fires, floods and droughts is now less than a decade. The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report has been delayed a year due to COVID. The federal government will introduce legislation allowing it to place travel bans and financial penalties on individuals for egregious human rights abuses, corruption and cyber attacks, even if they didn't happen in Australia. The Morrison government said it would join allies enacting the so-called Magnitsky Act, which will allow the government to target perpetrators for thematic breaches of law across jurisdictions. Papua New Guinea's Prime Minister, James Marape, yesterday said any merger between Oil Search, which operates out of the Pacific nation, and Santos must be in the interests of PNG. It suggests that conditions may be attached to the $21 billion merger between the two organisations. Mr Marape said the deal needed to consider the timing of the development of PNG's gas resources, employment and training of locals and the retention of corporate officers and management. Furniture retailer Nick Scarly doubled its underlying profit last financial year, with sales up more than 40%. Nothing like a lockdown to get people wanting new furniture in their house. CEO Anthony Scarly said the most pleasing aspect was the group's ability to keep delivering product despite the COVID-related restrictions. Nick Scarly also upped its dividend and its share price ended slightly lower yesterday. And Brian Henderson, the face of Channel 9 for almost 40 years, died in his home yesterday, aged 89, from cancer. Hendo was a staple in my household, and he truly had among the most trusted faces on Australian television. Finally, to the Olympics. When I grew up, my skateboard came from Woolworths, and as a result, I was too embarrassed to ride it. That's my excuse for never making the skate park. Yesterday, an 18-year-old named Keegan Palmer won gold for Australia in the first ever male skateboard event. What he did defied gravity. The genuine excitement among all the riders and respect for each other was wonderful to watch. That's what the Olympics is all about. Up next is our daily interview, and today I'm talking to Tim Lawless from CoreLogic. When the pandemic first hit, property prices were tipped to plummet. As we know now, those predictions were very, very wrong. CoreLogic data this week shows house prices have recorded their highest annual growth in 17 years. It's been an amazing trend to watch, but will it continue? 
That's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. It's Friday, the 6th of August, 2021. I'm Sean Aylmer, and that was Fear and Greed. Enjoy your day.